This episode is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Meow, 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 meow. Welcome, kittens and cats. I'm Natalie. And Ricky Lee is remote from Dodger Stadium. And we're on this frequency. Hey. We will not be having a moment of laughter this week out of respect to the victims and families involved in the school shootings in Uvalde, Texas that occurred last week. Instead, we offer a moment of reflection to the continued distribution of violence in our schools, in our grocery stores, in our country as a whole. Um, for this moment of reflection, well, let's listen to Representative Jim Himes on The Daily Show. You refused to participate in the moment of silence. Some people would say, Congressman, you, you're disrespecting the victims. Why wouldn't you participate in the moment of silence that Congress is holding? Anywhere else, in a Rotary Club, at a baseball game, do a moment of silence. If you're in the one room where you could start fixing this problem that no other country has... Uh, that is uh, resulting in 35,000 or so Americans every single year dying. And what your answer is, let me just stop talking for 10 seconds. Oh, by the way, the flag at the top of our building, we're going to drop that down 20 feet. That's negligence. That's not honoring anybody. Honoring the victims would mean we're going to fix this. All right. And that clip came to us from an interview with Representative Jim Himes on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Meow, 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 meow. So On This Frequency has a group thread that includes Natalie, Bartley, and myself, where we cover several topics about our show. Natalie and I were both surprised to hear from Bartley this weekend on an activity that he participated in, as it was a first for him. While Natalie and I responded in a curious manner, asking, well, did you smoke wheat? Did you take some LSD? Did you finally embrace furry porn? Or did you partake in some mushroom extravaganza for the first time, Bartley? We were surprised to hear what it was that he did for the first time in his life while attending his favorite pastime sport, baseball. All right, Bartley. So tell us what you did for the first time. So first of all, um, I, I'm not I'm not doing your furry porn. I'm not. That's that's weird. You're um, gonna be converted. Just watch. No, that's just weird. Uh, but the thing that I did is um, I went to a baseball game on Friday. It was a minor league game, and um, I didn't stand for the national anthem. And the reason behind it, uh, it was it was it was going through my mind all morning because uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, you've been seeing that I haven't let this topic drop since it happened. Um, and I feel very strongly about the the situation in Texas. And I feel that Congress hasn't done anything. And it's not it's not just for the kids in Texas. It's also ten years ago, the kids in Sandy Hook. It's also the the tons of people in Vegas who were who were shot down, um, murdered and injured. It's about the people in Buffalo. It's about, you know, it's about all the mass shootings, San Bernardino, Virginia Tech. Like, I can go on and on and on. And it's sad that I can go on and on and on. But I refuse to stand for the national anthem because our lawmakers 
and our congressmen refuse to stand for Americans who are being murdered and slaughtered in everyday activities. And while I sat there and I listened to the national anthem, I cried my eyes out because all I could think about was why I was doing this and that the children and those two teachers would never be able to stand and, and listen to the national anthem again. And I, I just felt very strongly about it. And I, I was considering not going forward with it until I talked to um, a friend of mine who is a Navy vet who said, I, I agree with your protest because I fought for the flag and I fought for that right for, for you to protest. I wouldn't do it myself, but if I, was st- if I was there with you at that game, I would have my hand on your shoulder as you sat down in protest. Like, I agree with why you're Hold protesting. On, so, I just so wouldn't do this it. was premeditated yes. on your behalf? Yes. I thought about it okay, leading I up to thought, the day. I, I thought you did it, like, right then and there at the stadium. Like, you felt the need to do that and that you were overcome with emotion. I didn't know it was premeditated. No, it was definitely premeditated. I, I, as we left the driveway in, in our home, I told my wife what I was planning on doing, and she was adamant that I not do it. And I was like, and I told she, her. She didn't want you to do it? No. Because why? Uh, well, because we were going with a group from our church, and she didn't mm. want to disrespect anybody from the church. And I said, it's not about the church. And if they want to come and ask me why I'm sitting down, I'll be happy to explain it to them. And if they want to get to know why I'm like get to know me and get to know why I'm so passionate about this, then come talk to me. But I don't care what you think. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna I'm gonna not stand until Congress decides to stand for those people and those Americans that have been slaughtered over the years, and yet they have done nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, that's why I sat down during the National Anthem. First time in my life I've ever done that. And I think until something changes, I may not stand for a National Anthem for a really long time. Did anybody look at you funny? Did you get any funny looks? I don't know because most of the people like in our group were behind me, so I didn't didn't really notice and I didn't really care. Um like I said, if they want to if they want to come and talk to me is why I sat down, then I'd explain it to them. But I don't like I didn't do it for them. I don't I don't care what they think. It's not it's not about it's not even about me. It's not about me. It's not about um it's it's not about like I'm not doing it because of selfish reasons. I'm doing it for a reason. And excuse me. And if you have a problem with that, then you can you can lump it. I don't care. Right. So um, I was actually in uh, downtown LA. We were doing an event when I saw something on my Instagram feed that was talking about the the shooting and that it was kids. And I just remember thinking at the time, like, what the hell, right? And having, because I was working, obviously, so I kind of just processed it really quick. And then it wasn't until the drive home where we were listening to the news and, you know, just getting more detailed information in a quiet setting about, you know, the kids that 
um, had died. When I got home that night, you know, I immediately called my kids and I just want, I just wanted to be close to them. I wanted to just feel them. My heart felt very heavy, right? Because in that moment, you're looking through your Instagram feed and you're just seeing everyone post about the shooting and whatnot. But after that, it was business as usual. I didn't, there was nothing to ponder on. It was just like another day. So for me, Bartley, when we got that text message, and I had even asked Natalie, like, wait a minute, so what was, what's your take on this? I felt like, all right, I, me personally, I'm just completely desensitized by these types of events. Right. Like, it just doesn't, I, I have zero hope <laughs> or faith in our country and our government to actually find a solution to this. Whatever that, so there's no willingness to really find a solution to this. And right? that's, that's the so same just, sentiment that I've had every school shooting since Columbine. It's just like, oh, it's another shooting. Oh, you know, this shooting happened. Oh, San Bernardino happened. Oh, Pulse nightclub happened. Oh, this happened. You know, like, I felt the same way. But then I heard the story of the little girl who survived, and it 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 broke my heart. Like, it, it broke my heart to listen to her and how she had to survive. And the stories and the accounts, the, the story and the account that she brought forward and was so brave in doing so, the story that she brought forward of she had to smear one of her classmates' blood on herself and play dead for three hours. So for was three. That- Three fucking hours while the police were in the hallway of the fucking school and did nothing. That part. They did fucking nothing. And so was that the the point where you said, I'm done with this? Like, was that the triggering point, I guess? I think so. And I think I think the reason behind it is because. In this last calendar year. Even though I didn't become a father, I became a dad. And I thought to myself, what if those were my kids? Right. What if those were my babies? It could have, I mean, easily, right? And I don't want want people to to think, like, you know, I've always, like, I, I need people to understand that I grew up in a very conservative household where... We are very pro Second Amendment and we're very like like Republican to a T. Mm. And this shook me so hard that I don't give a shit about that anymore. Like I'm not I don't I don't claim I'm I'm done claiming myself as a Republican if Republicans are not gonna get off their ass and do something about it. If the Republicans are not going to stop taking fucking millions of dollars from the NRA so that they can fill their pockets while our children are being fucking cornered and slaughtered in a fucking classroom. Like, I'm done with that. I'm done with the politics. Like, fuck that. If that was your kid, you wouldn't be taking money from the NRA to support gun or to, to, to vanquish gun, gun laws. Like, this shit needs to change. So I'm curious. Uh, so I have a whole, you know, the the unprocessed feelings and kind of similar to Ricky about how like, okay, I heard the news and then how to get to work and do the thing. 
I, I think for me personally, the I, I have no feelings towards it. I'm very much desensitized. And honestly, as soon as I saw on social media that there was a shooting, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to look into this. I don't right. really want to know. I don't think that the details or me looking into this or just doom scrolling as they call it right is going to help anyone or anything Wait, i'm sorry what, what was that term natalie doom scrolling it's when you when you scroll through the medias and you're getting all the bad news all of the news all of the wow. coverage oh, all of there, the information for that okay doom scrolling yeah doom okay. scrolling yeah so I and and it's for several reasons, right? It's because me doing that isn't going to change anything. Me looking at that and being pregnant is only going to make it worse for me emotionally and mentally and physically, right? Because it it it, it is it's very traumatic to hear that there are children there are innocent lives getting, you know, involuntarily shot murdered killed and so so for me i said no not today and even throughout this whole week even leading up to this episode i have not i haven't been willing to see all right what is the news coverage what do we know what do we not know because this has been so ongoing like you said bartley this year last year buffalo the 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 movie theater the the dance clubs all of the other school shootings um and nothing has changed right and so i guess initially or because i asked you bartley what your breaking point was right and you mentioned the little girl that faked her death well, there was a lot of breaking points for me, but that was that was like one of the top ones. That was it. And then you decided, all right, I'm not going to stand for the for the anthem. Right. And so I'm sitting and I'm reflecting like, well, where was my protest moment of when I decided that? Mm, that's a great question. I don't want to stand for the anthem anymore because I myself haven't stood for an anthem or taken my hat off or any kind of pledge of allegiance or anything like that in oh i don't know how years years and years and i actually remember a particular case where i was at a game with a baseball game with mike and it was one of the first times that we were out with his friends and i didn't stand i didn't take my hat off and i got all kinds of comments why aren't you standing why are you being rude why are you being disrespectful this is your country and and people fought for you to to stand and do this and i'm like well People also fought for you to, to protest right. in that manner. Right. And so and so but I, I feel and I continue to feel and agree with you that it's a perfect way to protest. I don't agree with all of the things that this country has has done and what has become of it. Right. Um, for me, the moment that I said no more, I am protesting. I and I'm tired is when the um the asylum seeking immigrants from latin america la the latin american countries were coming down here you know obviously to seek asylum and the 
families coming down here were separated from their children. And then we had to see those children get separated and locked up like chickens. And we didn't do anything about that for months, for probably over a year. I don't know how long because I don't know the research anymore. But for me, that was the point of like, wow, we really don't give a shit about humanity. We don't fucking care. And so. So it's interesting that very different scenarios, but very much a life that this country is hurting. And it hasn't changed. And I guess my question to you, Bartley, is that, you know, you're you're doing this pro you you protested at this baseball game and 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 you feel so strongly uh, on social media, right? So do do you feel that change is going to come? Do you feel that things are going to be done? Uh I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna stop what I'm doing. Sure. No, you absolutely. Once you start, you can't stop. Right. And doesn't mean that um, I'm gonna forget. Mm-hmm. You know the stories that came out of Buffalo and the stories that came out of Texas and all the other stories. Like I, I remember. My, I remember myself being so pro second amendment and now I'm so, anti. so I'm not, not fully anti, but I'm like the second amendment needs to be amended. Like, yeah, it's time. Well, it's- no shit. These fucking rules were written. God knows how many in the 17th. When was the declaration of independence written? Well, and it's, all of the, so the, the, the second amendment, the, the second amendment of the constitution was ratified in December of 1791. And back in that time, the top of the line firearm that you can buy and have is those flintlock fucking bayonets, right? Where you have to load the gunpowder, you have to load the bullet, you have to, you know, press it into the the muzzle or in, into the barrel. Then you have to light a fucking a wick and <laughs> and like that was a process. The, that was the top of the line firearm at that time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't killing nineteen people in one shot. Well, yeah. You're not 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 only that. Like, you have twenty. If you miss, you have twenty five to forty five seconds in between reloading that thing before you can fire that thing again. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Second Amendment. Let's let's go back even further. The Second Amendment was not designed for normal citizens to have military weapons. Period. The original design of the Second Amendment was for the country to have a backup plan because we were so brand new and so building everything from scratch, the country needed a backup plan in case their, their military was overrun in an invasion of the United States because we were so new, right? So they put this, this amendment in to, as a right to bear arms to create a militia if we need to, okay? Well, guess what? <laughs> Every fucking state in this union has a National Guard, which is technically a militia, right? They get called on, you know, behind the military. Like, they're not the frontline military. They are, like, the secondary. They respond to state emergencies. That's what a militia does, 
right? So we don't have the need. We don't have the need for militias anymore, right? And then Mm -hmm. since then, about a hundred, just about under a hundred years past 1791, when this Second Amendment was ratified, machine guns came into play. Do you think any of the forefathers sat down and thought, you know what, machine guns are coming? No. Absolutely not. They just like you can't you in 1985, you couldn't fathom a cell phone. You couldn't fathom a smartphone that you're holding right now. Mm -hmm. You couldn't fathom it because it didn't fucking exist. Right. But so but so to go back partly to to circle back to mass shootings and how, you know, this was you were awakened by this this shooting in particular you know, passionately, and Natalie sharing her experience on the first time she wanted to protest and whatnot. Why? How long ago was that, Natalie? My, uh, which part? The asylum-seeking so, immigrants happened, what, like two, three years ago now? But my protesting at a at a public event, oh, what, years, years and years. But do you remember what, what it was that made you decide? Like, so not currently, but back then that made you say, no, nah, I'm not doing this. No, I wish I did remember, but I really don't. I really don't. I just know that my belief in the system stopped at that, um, at this um, immigration story. So I, I thought about it right now, what my first uh, experience is. And it, it was um, California Proposition 187. That came out in 1994, which prohibited undocumented immigrants from using public health care schools and social services. I was in seventh grade when this happened. And Vinodanks Middle School is right next door to Chasey High School. It's literally a street, you know, difference. And the high school students were just completely riled up against this, right? Obviously, they wanted to vote no against this. Because they wanted immigrants to receive health care and social services and, and, you know, assistance, social services. So our junior high was heavily influenced by the high school and then making everybody aware of what the injustice was. And then, of course, rest in peace, my Aunt Rosie, she was undocumented. But I saw everything that my Aunt Rosie was contributing to her, to the community, right? When the narrative is, well, undocumented people, you know, don't contribute to this this country so to speak that was the first time that i was like this country was not is not looking out for everybody this country is looking out for particular people and that's that's kind of why i'm like bartley this is the first time you feel passionate about something this is your first time in in everything that you've seen in the news everything that you've heard all of our history this is the first time that something finally spoke to you right uh, I would say, yeah, because in in that sense, just like we're talking about how we're all desensitized to mm-hmm. to shoot mass shootings of any kind, I was mm-hmm. like an ignorant, not paying attention, desensitized mm-hmm. to all the Republican BS mm-hmm. and all these laws and statutes that were prohibiting, you know, immigrants and and all this other stuff, like all this this non-humane treatment of people Mm. it was just like i was desensitized to it at the time and Mm. i was at the time very immature and i feel like 
a lot of things have changed in my life in the last, specifically the last four years, mm-hmm. where I got a wake up call, you know, in my mm. accident and kind of mm. opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, and when, like, like I was telling you, like, it, it opened my eyes to this subject because I became a dad last year for the first time. And I, I kept thinking, like, what if those were my kids? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like how just question everything, how like and what pisses me off about people who defend, you know, having assault rifles is that, yeah, that's great that you can own an assault rifle. But guess who doesn't get to take an assault rifle to school with them to protect them when some armed maniac comes breaking through the door with an assault rifle? Your kids, your kids don't have that opportunity to protect to protect themselves. Right, so it's great that you have a a small dick personality and you need a uh, an assault rifle that's going to kill all these people, but it doesn't help your kids when they go to school. So you're telling me that your your Second Amendment right to to bear this assault rifle is more important than your kid's life? Is that what you're saying to me? Because that's that's all I've heard this week of of from people that are pro Second Amendment and are like, no, you can't take our guns away. Because I've gotten all those DMs too. Right, I've gotten all the like. Yeah, you're really? so you're, yeah. Oh, of course, of course. I've gotten I've gotten really yeah. No shit. I've okay, gotten the I've gotten the the supportive DMs, and but I've also got the oh no, we need to put an armed guard in every school, right? So when that when the mass shooter comes in and takes out that armed guard, what what next? What next? Oh no, he's gonna he's gonna wipe through the entire school. Oh, just like like the armed guard at, at the Buffalo at the. The retired police officer that was the armed guard at that Buffalo supermarket. Like, yeah, he had a gun. Didn't do him much good, did it? Mm. Like, all these people that are pro-Second Amendment, oh, we, you know, that's not the problem. It's the, you know, more background checks. Oh, right. So, like, an 18-year-old's not going to pass a background check? Right. He hasn't done shit in his life. Unless this (laughs) 18-year-old has felonies on his background check, he's going to be able to get that gun. So... That doesn't solve anything. Mm. Why not just nip it at the source mm-hmm. of these like these high-powered military-grade weapons? That's what they are. They are designed to kill and maim as many people in a short period of time as possible, which are weapons designed for the military. And then they're like, well, you know, you can't take our guns. Well, okay. Um, do you own an RPG? No, because they're banned. Do you own... A sawed-off shotgun? Uh, no, because they're banned. Right. Do you own a suppressor? No, because they're banned. So you're sitting here saying like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't ban my guns. They've already banned shit, and you don't have a problem with that because right. you don't you don't have it in your possession. Right. It's not as easy. The, this has been be done before. This has been done before. Like, we have banned weapons before. In night... I, and I have to go back and look at my Instagram story because I did a ton of research on this, right? Back in the 1930s, someone tried to take out FDR. And as a result, they that's the ban that they put out. They No um, sawed-off shotguns, no suppressors, no, um, no uh, explosives, no grenades. It was more like to target um, gangland crime. Like think of, of like the old-school mobster movies, right? Mm. That's what it was designed to target. And so now these such banned weapons uh, still exist, right? But they still they, exist, but they you, are not you easy can, to get. You cannot go buy them in a in an American gun store anywhere. Mm. 
Okay. Right? You you are not allowed to own that weapon. Okay. Period. Okay. End of story. End of discussion. But nobody wants to bring that up. Right. right. And then in 1994, they banned assault rifles. They banned semi-automatic weapons in the United States. Mm-hmm. But the compromise, because Republicans are such assholes, the compromise was it only lasted for 10 years. And in that time, there were still mass shootings, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically Columbine happened during that time. Mm-hmm. Between 1994 and 2004, Columbine was the biggest mm-hmm. mass shooting that, that occurred. But those weapons were already grandfathered in. The ones that, that they used at Columbine High School were already grandfathered in before the ban. So mm-hmm. they weren't bought and paid for, you know, a week before the shooting, right? Because you couldn't do it. Right. You couldn't do it. And so I don't see the problem of, like, people shouldn't, need to own military style weapons period right like how how small is your dick that you need to compensate with with a ar-15 like what kind of small dick complex do you have that you feel the need to have all this firepower right for you, who for what reason right for what reason you oh protection really Against how many who? how many rob how many in-home robberies are barging in with ar-15s None. I haven't heard any of them. Now, they might exist, but they're probably few and far between because right. AR-15s are not used for that purpose. AR-15s are used to kill and maim as many people as possible, right? Mm-hmm. What you see in, in home invasions are handguns, right? So, yeah, knock yourself. If you want to have a handgun to protect your home, I'm all for it. You want to have a shotgun to protect your home, I'm all for it. Oh, you are a hundred... You uh, want a gun, Bartley? What? I do not currently. You want a gun? No. But he one, currently, <laughs> he's about to buy one. I'm I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but like you, uh, I'm a hunting enthusiast. I go hunting, you know, as a hobby. Okay, keep your single action rifle that shoots one bullet at a time and you got to you got to discharge the the round as, as after you fire it. Like that's cool. That's for, that's a hunting purpose, but United, you ain't, you're not going to kill in, all these 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 people or all these children with a single action rifle like it it's not it, it's in the the amount of time it would take you to do that like police hopefully if unless you're the police in Texas would already be in there like taking care of business so i'm for single uh, i'm for handguns keep your handguns keep your shotguns keep your single action rifles but you don't need an ar15 and you know it period are you going to become a member of the NRA, Bartley? Hell no. Listen, did you know that they'll cover your legal expenses if you if you um, shoot that gun in a way that maybe should not have been shot? I don't care. If the NRA is paying our Congress people to shoot down gun legislation, then I hope they all burn in hell. Listen, in America, we hunt people, and that's been obvious from the beginning of time in this country. So it's just a new way. That's to say. I hunting people, really? That's literally what this was. People the buffalo shooter, he had a very specific roll call sheet. That's hunting cuz like you said why why possess something like that? You you're out to kill people. You're out to take lives. Okay, I, I see that point. I get that. 
which is which is why like people shouldn't be able to own semi-automatic rifles or automatic rifles because they can inflict mass casualties on a group of people. Let me ask you guys this. What's the difference between a mass shooter and a serial killer? A serial killer will do it like undercover and a serial killer will usually kill one at a time, but they will kill multiple, but they'll kill one at a time. And a lot of times they will have behaviors to avoid getting caught, whether that's hiding the body or, um, or signatures in their MO and how they operate that will allow them to be concealed for a longer period of time. Whereas mass shooters, like they're going in guns blazing and they don't, they don't care, yeah. you know, if the cops are called. One and done, and they right be one known who one they time. Are. This is it. This is it. The one time, and a lot of them will eat their own gun before the the cops get there. They take the coward's way out because they don't want to face, you know, the the quote unquote justice that's coming their way, which is bullshit in itself. Anyways, mm. um, but they so don't want to fa- they don't want to face the music, or they'll sometimes. They will surrender, or a lot of times they'll just shoot it out with police too. Like those are the three options that you see in all mass shootings. Whereas serial killers are trying to avoid to be caught; they're not trying to get caught because it's a game to them. Mm-hmm. So, do we think that? I mean, this is clearly greed, right? Oh, absolutely. This isn't about saving a human or a life or you know for the better of humanity i mean it could be but money right this is about money and i think our as this is what the richest country in the world with so many resources so much power to do so much good and we can't figure it out. And we have, you know, what was, I think I just saw that Canada was, or Canada did some banning of I don't know what. And we know other countries that have banned all types of guns, right? But we can't get it together here. And we are the, mo- and we are the ones suffering the most, the most, right? Australia had a, a massacre in 1996 where I think it was 20, I want to say 23 dead and 35 wounded or some some large number like that, right? Mm-hmm. They responded within 16 days, had uh, a bill on, on the, the, the floor of the lawmakers. They signed it. What they ended up doing was banning, um, banning uh, assault rifles and banning rifles in general mm-hmm. and buying back from the public all of the the rifles they could. Mm-hmm. If you had a rifle and you and you turned it in, you got paid for it. I think California and, said that they were trying to do that now too, right? And they destroyed, they melted all of those guns. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Guess how many mass shootings they've had since 1996? None. Zero. Yeah. None. Nada. Zip. That. Zilch. Nothing. It's there. the The solution is there. If our yeah. Lawmakers want to want to take it, but here's the problem. So here's the real problem, because like I said, I've been researching this all week. Um, there there was a I want to give credit to the the Instagram post that I found I found this on. 
and it's the the handle is AJ Plus. Okay, thank you, AJ and, Plus. And this graphic says these GOP lawmakers tweeted about the Uvalde, Texas mass shooting, but here's how much money some of them have received from the NRA. Right, so Mitt Romney said, "Oh, grief overwhelms the soul. Children slaughtered, lives extinguished, parents' hearts wrenched. Yada yada yada." Mm. Mitt Romney took thirteen million from the NRA last year. Mm. Senator Mitch McConnell, same bullshit thoughts and prayers. Yada 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 bullshit. Mm-hmm. Took one point two million dollars from the NRA last year. Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz, three hundred eleven thousand dollars from the NRA last year. Uh, Joni Ernst. $3.1 million from the NRA last year. Marsha Blackburn, $1.3 million from the, the NRA last year. And all these senators are sitting here with the, with the, oh, this mass shooting happened. We're so sorry for the... Well, you're not doing anything because it's, it's not, it's not um, beneficial to your, bottom, your individual bottom line. Right. right. And until, until shit like that is illegal, I think this will continue to happen. The laws will not change until being able to buy senators becomes illegal. It, it won't change. The lobbyists in, in D.C. being able to buy their way into to how laws are, are passed in this country, until that's gone, I, I don't see an end to it. Maybe we should just kick out all the old white dudes that are in these positions of power and maybe we have a different result. Let's go. Because it, there's um, research that has found that out of some 80-something percent are for gun law changes and reform and not taking money from no one for this to continue. And so there's this small little cult, I'll call it, that is profiting. <laughs> I like that, Natalie. Cool. Yeah, it's a cult. And because they're profiting, their family isn't getting hurt, their money isn't getting hurt, then why change it? Yep. And that's sad. Uh, but see, the thing is, we in this country have this illusion of the people have the power, right? We have this illusion that that we as a people hold the power over our lawmakers. Well, the problem is there's not enough people that are willing to mobilize in any way, shape, or form in a concerted effort. No matter what that that focus is, no matter what the topic is, whether it's gun reform, immigration reform, whatever, there, there are enough people to boot these motherfuckers out of office but don't mobilize or are ignorant to the facts. And we do have the power. If we if we were able to mobilize as a country and as a group of people, we could kick out Mitt Romney. We could kick out Ted Cruz. We could kick out all these assholes who are taking money from the NRA and saying, your children's lives don't matter. Or you going to the supermarket, I don't care whether you live or die. Or you going to a, a country music festival, sorry, you were at the wrong place at the wrong time. We can get rid of these assholes, but we refuse to mobilize. We have this illusion of power to the people when it's not true because we don't take advantage of it. 
And that's an interesting point, right? Because yes, I agree that we do have the power and it is possible to make change. And unfortunately, though, the progress is freakishly slow. And and it, and I say it all the time. It's always three steps forward, two steps back. I would say four steps back. Mm-hmm. Three steps forward and four steps back. Sure. I Yeah, I agree. Because we're still divided. Um, we're still turned against each other. Um, so some, a lot of it is ignorance. A lot of it is we can, we aren't able to see it because we just can't. We're limited in our resources. We're limited in our knowledge and our education, in our ability to do something or feel empowered to do something. Um, I'll go back again and say like the system, which we talk about pre-production, the system was designed in a way that doesn't allow its people to thrive, you know, so, so I, yeah. And you you can only mobilize for so long before you feel defeated because nobody, nobody else is mobilizing with you. So, right. Which is what we see in, you know, when we, when there's, you know, these big protests and movements around the country um, or, that e- are or even like or even these headlines these mass shootings like mm-hmm. they're in the headlines for a week and if you turn like so we're recording this on a tuesday this happened mm-hmm. last tuesday right mm-hmm. today i was struggling to to find subject or or news articles on the Valdi texas shooting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're gone we've moved a week later it. we've moved on we've yeah. moved on the only article i found was was on CNN and it it said, what should we do with Rob Elementary School? Because all these other schools where these mass shootings take, took place, they they tore down all the buildings where, where all this stuff happened and they rebuilt them. So what should we do to Rob High School or Rob Elementary School? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's, what we're, well, that's what we're talking about? Yeah, we've moved past it. That's what we're going to talk about. And I also want to comment that uh, again like the desensitization of it all right either we're moving past it because now there's something else i don't know i don't want to say that it's more important but we've just continued to all right business as usual come on now that's what's the next thing but it it's also we have to acknowledge the fact that all of this news and unfortunate events are so damaging to our daily lives it's depressing sometimes do i really want to stay caught up with do i want to continue getting feed on my phone or whatever it is on whatever the horrific event that happened we don't and i think that this is part of this conversation too is that it's become more it's become so normalized sadly and i think that also has to do with social media i i don't think we i don't think as a human being we are not made to process so much traumatic information we're just not 
And so it, so I think on one end, we're moving on, we're dismissing, desensitized. That was last week's news. What is this week's news? But also we can't process anymore. We're, we're hurt. We're in pain. We're grieving. We're dealing with all of our personal bullshit and all of the country's bullshit. And we have nothing left to give. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to comment on that too. That it's not just, oh, the country already forgot. No, it's there. We're just still trying to process the grocery store incident. Well, we're uh, still trying to process Sandy Hook, you know? I, yeah, I, well, I hope we're not still processing Sandy Hook. That took place 10 years ago. And it's still relevant. Right, no, I know? I know. But, like, we we should have... We should have dealt. We should have dealt with it yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. We should have dealt with it then. And who knows how many how many lives we could have saved from these mass shootings mm-hmm. had we dealt with it then. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, another another argument that I, I've heard mm-hmm. um, in my, or I've read in my DMs is that, well, if if you ban all these these assault rifles, you know the, the criminals are still going to get their hands on them, right? Well, here's my, my thought on that. If you if you were to ban assault rifles, how, like, how would you be able to obtain a, an assault rifle? Right. We're no longer making them. Well, the, no the answer the answer to that available. question the answer to that question is the black market, right? Oh sure. So I mean, you can if you wanted a freaking RPG, you could buy it off the black market. It's it's possible. Yeah. Like it's it doesn't not exist anymore. There's yeah. still plenty of them out there, right? Do you know how much a markup on an item is on the black market usually? Mm-mm. On average, seven hundred. Percent. Okay, so that's it'd average. Be difficult that's to average. Try to obtain. Right. So You'd if really people have are, to have if, a motive. Right. If people are trying to purchase these AR-15s, they have to be well funded to do so. Yeah. Because and oh, and that's just that's just the average. Because if you ban an, a weapon like the AR-15, you really think they're going to let it go for a seven hundred percent markup? Uh, I would say it's probably more ten times that. Like it's going to be ten times the the amount. It's going to be a thousand percent markup. Yeah. Right. So a two thousand dollar rifle is now going to cost you twenty grand. Right? Are you really going to be putting who has who down? has twenty grand of disposable income to throw it at a weapon like that? And if you get caught, you're doing life in prison. Yeah, we don't. Right? Like it, the the justification or the arguments behind it just don't make sense. And mm-hmm. it's not like the the black market is a a physical place where you can walk in and say, "I want a gun." Yeah. Really? Like that that it's not a physical place. You would have to you would have to go into some really sketchy places yeah. and deal with some sketchy people yeah. who even if you produce 20 grand may still not give you the weapon. Right. They might just take your money and Right. Go, and what are you going to do? Dumb fuck. <laughs> right? So all right. these arguments that are against it, all I hear all I hear is that in my head, yeah, these people are are speaking these arguments, but all I hear is the Second Amendment means more to me than children's lives. That's yeah. all I hear. The Second Amendment means more to me than stopping mass shootings. Yep. Yep. And I, I, it blows my mind. Yeah. Blows my mind. And I, I posted this one today. I was like, how, how close does the next school shooting have to be to your kid's school before you act, before you, you say something? Exactly. I still have I still have uh, one kid left, well, one kid in high school. 
she we we've been having discussions about her doing something alternative other than just being in school. Quite frankly, if my kids don't ever return to a classroom, I mean, hey, no worries. I I would prefer that. But even then, it's like you can't go to a grocery store either. You can't do any. There's no real like safe place. And what but, a privilege, right? Because we can have that conversation. I've I've had a similar situation conversation with Mike about, you know, now we're bringing this kid into the world. There is no way in hell that I'm gonna homeschool, or I'm sorry, I'm gonna take him to a public school or even a daycare for that matter. There's no way. There is no way. I was so anti homeschool when when we got our kids. Right. I am so pro homeschool at this point. Yeah. It's not even funny. Yeah, no, like it's a serious ma- like no, we're not going to take our children to be left um uns- unsupervised in a sense, right? For 8 hours of the day where a million things can happen. But this conversation is one that we are so privileged to have here. I I think about my own parents and this partic- this specific situation. I don't think they would have had a choice and I think that's a similar predicament that a lot of families in this country find themselves in is that shit like I'm so I'm scared shitless but I have to my, I have to go to work. My child has to go to school. Because a, the school system is a form of, like, that's where they go. That's where they go while the parent goes to school or whatever other establishment, right? So it, there's a lot of, um, it's just shitty. Because the reality is, is that a lot of these families have to get out into the world and just live in fear, because they don't have these options. And and so I guess like if we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the of the lawmakers and the powers that be is they don't have these worries. They don't go to the grocery store. Their kids don't go to the public schools or anywhere that would potentially be a a place of of a sh- where a shooting would take place. They work in a super secure building. Yeah, yeah. They're just not going to be out there exposing themselves or their kids. It's It fucking sucks. Let me ask you guys this, and this is for both of you. Um, and I'll, I'll share my experiences on this after I ask this question and after you guys answer it. But do you guys have a plan when you walk into a public space? Do you have an active shooter plan? Yes, always. I always look to see where the exits are, how like who my surroundings are, like who am I around? I'm always vigilant, like who's where and how uh, how do I get out of a particular situation if I was in it? Yeah, Ricky? Uh, no. Not at all. Why not? I don't um but there I I, I don't want to live like that. And, um, but it's not to say that in certain environments, I'm not worried about a mass shooter, but just maybe just a questionable environment in general. Mm-hmm. That if I I'm in a sketchy space. Um, I will kind of just be a little more vigilant than usual, but no, I don't, um, I don't, um. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to, you know, figure I, out. I know you don't want to live like that, and I don't. I don't want to live like that either. But 
until I mean, until something's done, then there's a possibility for you to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the difference, mind you, mind you, I used to, I used, and I think uh, Natalie, you, you were with me. I used to, um, I used to date an army vet, and he everywhere we would go, everywhere we would go, oh, before yes, we yes. would even enter the location we would have to walk the entire perimeter of the building we were entering all of it on the outside. And, and I was fascinated by it. I thought, geez, this is, this is a real part of the process to consider when making plans with this person, because it's like, okay, we got this concert may start at X time, but give yourself an hour to, you know, brief the entire building and then exits and then who's there and how, you know, it was incredible. It was incredible, but, you know, he suffered from PTSD, bipolar disorder, and depression, so it was a whole part of his being of how he operated. I, so I, I got to experience that for a little bit. Yeah, I would, I would, I mean, I would suggest to everybody that they have, it, not like in detail like that, but at least, like, think about it, because you never know, like, those teachers went to that school that morning not knowing that a, a shooter was going to show up on campus. Those people went to the grocery store not knowing a shooter was going to enter the grocery store, right? You never know. Yeah, you really don't know. You never, never know. know. You can, I mean, mass shootings have happened at post offices. They've happened at concerts. They've happened, like, everywhere. So, especially, like, I, I really started thinking about, I really started having a plan after San Bernardino because it happened so close. I'm like, okay. I I you asked. Watch yourself. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta be aware. You gotta be aware. Yeah. And so if gunfire rings out right now, what am I gonna do? Actually, actually, interesting that you bring that up. I, you know, in my previous employer, I, I'm pretty certain I thought we had an active shooter training, if I remember correctly. I thought we did. Um, but my life was actually threatened by someone, by a, a former employee, where I was terrified of going to work because I was fully aware that, that this person had several firearms, weapons, knives, like all kinds of different things, you know, weapons and whatnot. And you know, he went on publicly and on social media to, to express a, a very indirect threat to me. And I remember panicking and not wanting to leave anywhere, not wanting to. My son was actually graduating that day from high school, and I was just completely mortified. I couldn't. I couldn't even. I was. I wasn't even sitting in my car comfortably. Mm-hmm. And I remember my immediate response was to call my boss and tell my boss, "We need to change the locks at work. Like we need to change everything because what if this person comes back and you know." And in wanting to shoot me, he shoots everybody else because there were some mental health issues that were there. I I was completely mortified, Mm. completely, completely mortified. And and despite that, you know, it it took me a minute to go back to life as usual. Mm. But I also live by that sentiment that if it's your time to go, it's your time to go, however which way it is that you're going to go. Yeah, your life was threatened. I could definitely see that it wouldn't be easy to just, oh, I'm going to just go to work now and everything's okay. No, because your life is getting threatened. But 
that's yeah it's it's still interesting to me that after that situation that you had that you're like you you're not actively vigilant about your surroundings or saying like all right how do i get out of a situation if x y and z were to happen you know because i i worked with several people who i questioned their mental health and (laughs) and thought you know what this person might yeah what if this person comes in with a weapon what am i gonna do Mm -hmm. but you know what and i've done that at multiple jobs that's why you can't but that's why you can't be a dick to people we have a sign in the studio that says, be a nice human. That, at the end of the day, like, I always think about it, that. It, I, I mean, not want to be a dick to anybody because you never know who you're going to be a dick to and you're going to be the first motherfucker this fucker shoots and kills. Right, but at the same <laughs> time, at the same time, person. Ricky, at the same time, Ricky, let me flip that on you. Were those teachers dicks to anybody? Mm. What? what this, this as as far as we know, from what we understand of the shooter, he didn't he didn't go to the school, right? Right. He didn't have these teachers, so it could have literally happen to anybody at any time. Yeah, which is sad. But it, it, you need to be vigilant enough, not for it obviously to to paralyze you. So, but there, so listen, the reason the reason why I bring that up is an example. When I went to Chafee College as an adult, and six years ago, we had active shooter training. Yes. A retired police officer came in to the class, explained to everyone what they had to do. And when somebody said, well, how do we really fix this? He, he said, the only preventative action for active shooters is to get in touch with humanity again. That person who's making a choice to set this gun off has some kind of darkness and death in his eye. That sometimes just smiling at someone in random places, saying hello, making eye contact, mm-hmm. being kind to people, mm-hmm. that can be a simple act of love that can grow a seed in someone who has nothing left. Yeah, and that that, um, that active shooter training that you guys did on Chafee College's campus was put in place by the guy who I took all my criminal justice classes from who's a retired uh, LASD sheriff. And it happened right he, after he Virginia got Tech. Shot or something, didn't he? Because he walks around with a cane. I wanted to ask him what happened to him. Mm, not that guy, but but he put he he suggested to the administration after Virginia Tech because I was going to to school at the time when that happened that they have active shooter pro, like training and protocols. So that's why that was put into place. And that's interesting. Though, and right? I and because... I, I I liked his message. I liked his message, you know. I, I, I sometimes, I'm the type of person that thinks that or believes that, let's say you have a, a person who's on the path to do something destructive, but before that person takes off to go do this destructive thing, he just happens to run into someone who is kind to him in that moment. I believe that humanity is that powerful to shift paradigm in a moment like that that can shift a person's initial desire to to want to hurt people. I, I genuinely believe that, and that's why it is so important to just be kind to people, be yeah. compassionate to people, and and agreed. Be kind to people, that, but also like ha- have it in the back of the mind, uh, in, the, in the back of your mind. If this happens, like be vigilant is what I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. let it paralyze you and and like freak you out everywhere you go. But every place that I go to, restaurant, mall, 
movie theater, work, wherever I am at, I have an exit strategy. I have a plan. If if shit hits the fan and somebody brings a weapon in here and starts shooting, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Because that could be the difference between your name being on a cross in the middle of a field somewhere, like near the near where the shooting was, or you being alive to tell your story. I agree with what both of you are saying. That they're both really great points. Um, I I agree that when we are when we come back and put the human factor in and smile and greet and yeah. and be just a listening ear to to others that we have the power to make change and to deter people from committing such violent acts absolutely. right absolutely and then there's the side of like well there are still plenty of people that aren't getting that love and the affection and the attention that can still lash out right and so we do have to be vigilant and watch our backs and watch where what moves and think of scenarios um because it's real right the the threat is real i um i always on my walks with my dog Jorge, we go on this trail and Mike doesn't like me going on this trail because it's really isolated and the really it's you're walking between a tall ass fence and then a tall ass brick cement fence. So there's only one way out and one way in right in and out. And there happens to be, homeless people that walk through there and they're not in their best mental state and so I sometimes get worried like man I am by myself this dog isn't the most you know threatening looking dog ever (laughs) oh my god that's an understatement you know and who's gonna save me right now so I do walk this trail thinking of ways in which I'm gonna probably get myself into a situation that I don't want to be in and how am I going to get out right and so usually I'll carry a like a small like a hand I don't know if that's the right term hand knife a small knife pocket knife pocket knife thank you Bartley I'll carry a pocket knife other times I'll carry a taser other times I'll carry a pepper spray all of which at this point I've lost so lately I've been walking (laughs) with nothing and so there was recently I was walking down and there was this homeless person talking to themselves and I'm passing by and he just keeps looking at me and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, I'm in this situation now. And I'm thinking, fuck, what do I do? I don't have my pepper spray. I don't have my pocket knife. I don't I don't have anything to defend myself. But Jorge is walking off the leash and I'm holding the leash and it has like a metal tip to it. And so I'm thinking, Hell okay, no. oh my if God. this guy approaches me, I can somehow kick him. I'll grab the leash. I'll choke his oh ass God. or I'll swing the fucking metal tip. All and I'll hopefully, pregnant. yeah, All yeah, yeah. While <laughs> pregnant. How about pregnant? you just keep yourself <laughs> and your unborn child safe and not go on that right. fucking hike? Right. Or find a different route that you don't have to have these scenarios in your head and making weapons out of leashes. Okay, right. well let, let me let me play devil's advocate on that point, Ricky, because when I was in college and I took this class on criminology, we did an exercise uh, at a local mall where we were criminals and we had to scout victims. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And we had to. Oh my god! Right, we had to um, pick our victims. We had to write an essay on why we picked our victims, what they were doing or not doing, that made what them. What kind of class is this? It's a criminology class. In order to catch criminals, you got to think like criminal. Yeah. Um, and god. what it what that taught me is that you always have to be vigilant of your surroundings because yeah. you never know. You never know somebody's eyeing you, right? And that's probably why I'm vigilant because I took that criminology class too and that's probably where I get it from where I'm always so attentive to what's going on Absolutely. and how can I get out of things. Absolutely. And oh, good. Okay. It, it, it was a crazy exercise. Like, obviously, we didn't physically do anything to those people, but, um, you know, there were opportunities. <laughs> obviously. I love that you still said obviously we didn't do anything. <laughs> Well, you know, just to reassure, um, just to re- you know, reassure the public that I'm not a criminal or a twisted, sick individual. Um, but there are opportunities for many different um, crimes. Had I been so uh, motivated to do so, like I have yeah. kidnappings. There were there was one where <laughs> I don't, I'm going to go into the detail a little bit, but obviously, like obviously, I didn't do it. Um, I followed a um, a husband and wife, and they were they had a baby in a baby carrier. And what I what I wrote in my essay is that I would take out the husband first, and then the wife was was fair game. Mm-hmm. And I could I could have thrown her in the car and done mm-hmm. and dro- driven anywhere and done what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And went into her frame, her exposure, right. her vulnerability, she, taking advantage of all that. Once once I took care of the husband. Yeah. So like those those are because they were not paying attention to their surroundings. They were like all lovey dovey on each other and not paying attention. That left them open. And unfortunately, that's just that is definitely the reality that we live in. It happens every day. All kinds of people. Yeah. So I I always I always recommend to everybody just be vigilant of your surroundings. Even like having your head on a swivel when you're walking will deter somebody from from attacking you because mm-hmm. they know and you're paying attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just gonna go live in a cave. Ah, that's how it feels sometimes. But a cave of wonders. <laughs> well, let us know where this cave is at because I might join you. <laughs> oh, no, because what if somebody follows you? And you lead them right to me. <laughs> I, I have my me. head on a swivel at all times, Ricky. That's not going to happen. I, I know when I'm being followed. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, this was a very great conversation. Thank you, Bartley, for sharing um, how passionate you are. And, I'm fired up, man. Um, and, you know, don't <laughs> let don't let anything or anyone. Um, what is what's the word? Dim your light. And how you feel, and the the fact is that change will come. It, it's just it's slow, and so regardless of our feelings, and even if the structures are built of steel and iron, and and our hope is deteriorating, and we're losing sight, and we think that all is lost, um, it's important to have these conversations because they do matter, and so long as we have them and other people will too and like you said earlier Bartley there there is power in numbers and we are the people and we can make change so power to the people right yeah if they only if they want to take that power by your guys' hope only if they want to take that power we will <laughs>
We, I mean, we are. Look at us. Like, we have this platform. Right. So, no, I get it. I get you it. know? But um, uh, in, I guess, just to wrap things up and share a little bit more, um, we do want to record an episode um, with a special guest to talk about the benefits and judgments of being an NRE member. Uh, so keep an eye out for that episode. We're trying to schedule that soon. Um, we'll also be announcing the details for uh, Ricky's birthday giveaway. So make sure you're following us on Instagram at, on this frequency. Um, I just want to remind everyone that this episode um, was not scheduled um, to drop this day, but because of the events that happened, it's it, it came in now. So um, the following episode might sound a little wonky because of the timing. Um, but that's a wrap, guys. Y'all have a great night. Um, make sure to leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also support us by donating some coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash on this frequency. This week's episode was brought to you by Rose City Sound with executive producer Big Brother Jake from the Big Brother Jake podcast. Produced and edited by Juicebox Bartley. Keep in touch and send us your topic ideas at onthisfrequency at gmail.com. Peace, peace, y'all. Amen, the Second Amendment. We just want the money, money just for you. I know you want it, got it. You want it just for you.